Chapter 18 of The Blue Star by Fletcher Pratt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Blue Star. Chapter 18 Decide for Life. It was like no court Rodvard had ever seen. Behind a simple table sat two of the men in grey, their features calm and strangely like each other. At the end, one with an ink-pot and sheets of paper before him wrote down Rodvard's name as it was given. The guards at either side carried no weapons but short truncheons and daggers at the belt. The burly mate was already in one chair, looking truculent, with a pair of Germanish sailors beside him, one of them a fat-faced lad, unhealthy of appearance. A man of negligent air, richly dressed, occupied the end of the table opposite from the writer. There were no other spectators, and the proceeding began without ceremony, when one of the initiates asked simply what was charged against Sir Bergelin. "'Mutiny,' said the mate. "'I gave the rat a task to do, which he flatly refused.' The well-dressed man said, "'It is de Solon law that cases of mutiny at sea be tried by the captain of the ship, who bears judicial powers for this purpose, else mutiny would spread through a ship. I would have your writer here record that I make formal demand for the body of this criminal, in accordance with the treaty of amity and respect between your nation and the queen, my mistress.' One of the grey men said calmly, "'Be it recorded.' Record also that the treaty declares none shall be delivered before the adjudgment of guilt, for though we be all criminous, it is not love's desire that men shall exploit each other for anything but sins determined as such by the word of human law." The well-dressed man's eyes said utter disgust. His lips said, "'How can there be an adjudgment before trial? It is to try him that we demand him.' The second initiate spoke. This young man has placed himself in the protection of the domain of Manchuria. Before he is delivered for trial, there is required proof of a wrongdoing that would merit sentence. Is there such proof? Why, damn, yes, said the mate. I saw the fellow do it. I heard him refuse my order. Here are two of my crew to say as much. He swept a hand toward the Germanish, who began to cackle at once but the first initiate merely nodded to the writer, who laid the pen down and clicked at the pair in their own tongue. When they had answered, he said, "'They declare it is true that Sir—' he consulted his sheet. "'Bergelin was ordered to repair a mast, and he refused.' The initiate looked at Rodvard, and not a thing could he read behind those cold eyes, though they seemed to pierce him through, saying, the evidence is sufficient for a trial unless you can contradict it," said Rodvard. I could not make the repair. I did not know how. The initiate. That is a question for the trial to determine. No reason for not hearing the case. The mate guffawed, cried Rodvard in despair. But, sirs, this captain, I pray you, it is not for this. He is— you shall clearly speak your trouble, for it is the will of love that nothing is to be hidden." Rodvard felt the rosy flush light up his cheek. 
Well, then, it is not for any failure of duty that this captain pursues me, but because I would not be the partner of his unnatural lust." With an exclamation the ambassador of de Sola brought his hand down on the table, and the hard-faced mate gave a growl, but the initiates were as unmoved as mountains. One of them said, "'No lust is more natural or less so than another, since all are contrary to the law of love, and the soul in which love runs full tide may and should give to this unreal world of matter all that it desires, without imputation of sin. Yet we do find that, if the wrong case for this trial has been stated, there is a basis of appeal to our law. We would hear of this further.' He signed. The writer spoke to the Germanish, while the mate glared venom at them, his glances darting from one to the other. The seaman seemed hesitant, especially the fat young one, to whom the writer chiefly addressed himself. Though Rodvard could not understand a word, the voice lilt told clearly enough how the tale was going. Now the lad began to catch at his breath and sniffle, saying a few more words. The mate's head turned slowly round, hardest murder staring from his eyes, while his hand slid, slid toward belt and knife. "'No!' cried Rodvard. "'He's going to kill him!' The mate leapt snarling to his feet, bringing out the knife with the same motion, but Rodvard's shout had quickened the guards. One stepped forward, striking with his truncheon, while the other seized his man from behind, arm around neck. A roar from the mate, squeaks from the Germanish, and with a crash of heavy bodies the big man was down and firmly held, cursing and trying to wring a broken hand. One of the initiates said serenely, "'This is an act of self-accusation.' Then to the writer, "'Do these also accuse?' "'Yes, brother. The lesser one says that he has been this captain's catamite, and that Sir Burglin was cabin-keeper to the captain, and must have been solicited to such purpose, for this was his custom with all. They say further that an order was given to throw Sir Burglin into the sea.' Further, they say they were instructed as to what they should report on the repairing of the mast. "'Love is illumination,' said the initiate. His companion. "'Our decision is that this mate shall pay a fine of ten desolent scudi for ruffling the peace of this court, but for having brought false accusations against one under the protection of the prophet, he shall be submitted to detention of the body and instruction in doctrine until such time as the court shall release him.' The mate gave a yell. "'I protest,' said the well-dressed ambassador, "'against the condemnation of one of our gracious Queen's subjects on perjured evidence, and as the result of the actions of one who is not only himself a criminal, but a provocator of others.' "'Your protest is recorded. We declare the business of this case has been dispatched.' The two initiates rose as though their muscles were controlled by a single mind, but as the Desolan rose also, and the guards frog-marched their prisoner out, one of them looked at Rodvard. "'You will remain, young man,' he said. 2. They sat down again. One of them said, "'Be seated,' and the pair stared at him unmoving with those impassive eyes. The inspection lasted a good three or four minutes. Rodvard itched and hardly dared to squirm. One of them addressed him. "'You bear a blue star.' It was not a question, but a statement. 
Rodvard did not feel an answer called for, therefore made none. "'Be warned,' said the second initiate, "'that it is somewhat less potent here than elsewhere, since it is the command of the God of Love that all shall deal in truth, and therefore there is little hidden for it to reveal.' "'But I—' began Rodvard. The initiate held up his hand for silence. Doubtless you thought that your charm permitted you to read all that is in the mind. Learn, young man, that the value of this stone being founded on witchery and evil will teach you only the thoughts that stem from the evil god, as hatred, licentiousness, cruelty, deception, murder." Now Rodvard was silent, thinking swiftly that this might be true, that although he was no veteran of this jewel, it had never told him anything good about anyone. "'Where is your witch?' said one of the initiates. "'In Desola.' "'It will be impossible for you to return there with the case of today's court standing against you, and the maid of your ship in our detention, by our necessary action.' "'Perhaps, in time,' began Rodvard. "'Nor can you well bring her here,' said the other initiate. The practice of witchery is not forbidden among us as it is by the laws of your country. But we hold it to be a sin against the god of love, and it is required that those found in witchery undergo a period of instruction in the covertines of the Mayonesi." A wild wave of longing for Lalette swept across him, drowning the formless regret of leaving behind the sons of the new day, a new life, an empty life. No spirit in it the old man had said. Before Rodvard could think of anything to say, one of the initiates spoke again. "'All life in this material world is a turning from one void to another, and shall be escaped only by filling the void with love. And this is the essence of spirit.' A jar like a fall from a height told him that he was facing men who could follow his thought almost as clearly as he could that of others and Rodvard half thought of how the butler at Cedad Vicks had said it was possible to conceal one's thoughts. Half wondered what these strange men wanted with him. The strong, resonant voice went on. It is not the thought of the mind, but the purpose of the heart for which we seek. For the mind is as material as the world on which it looks, a creature of evil, while the other is our cain said the second initiate, as though this matter had now been settled. "'What is your profession?' "'I am a clerk. I was in the office of pedigree at Netsnagan.' "'Here we have no pedigrees. Soil tillers are needed. But if you lack the skill or desire for such labour, you may serve in the commercial counter which places for sale the products of the Prophet's benevolence.' "'I think I would prefer the second said Rodvard, not really thinking it at all, for tillage and commercial clerkship he held to be equal miseries, yet the latter might offer a better chance of release. The initiate stood up. "'We will form the Stylarian at the door, who will find you harborage and instruct you where you are to report for work. You must give him your money of DeSolan coinage, which he will replace with that of ours.' "'But I have no money of any coinage, none at all.' said Rodvard. The two stopped in their progress toward the door and turned on him faces which, for the first time, 
were struck with frown. One of them said severely, "'Young man, you have evidently been under the control of the god of evil. Unless this financial stringency disappears, we shall be required to order that you take doctrinal instruction, and it were better if you did so in any case. The Stylarian will give you a warrant for new garments and your other immediate needs, but all must be strictly repaid, and within no long time." They left. Rodvar thought their final remarks a very strange pendant to the generosity they had otherwise shown, and wondered unhappily whether he would ever see Lalette again. Three. The lodging assigned was in a room over the shop of a tailor named Gualdus, at a corner where three streets ran together. The man had a fat wife and three daughters, one of whom brought from a cookshop on the corner a big dish of lentils and greens with bits of sausage through it, for which they all ate together. The girls chartered profusely, curious as so many magpies about Rodvard and how life was lived in Desola, for they were too young to remember when Prince Previnius had turned from Grand Governor to Prophet and the Trichilacan War began. Rodvard liked the middle one best, called Lise. She had thick and vividly black eyebrows that gave her eyes a sparkle when she laughed, which was frequently. The blue star told him that behind the sparkle crouched a kind of dumb question whether he might not be the destined man, and the thought of being sought by her was not unpleasant to him, but she turned her head so rapidly and talked so much that he could make out no more. After he had been shown to his bed, the usual sleeplessness of a changed condition of life came to him, and he began to examine his thoughts. He felt happy beneath all and doubting whether he were entitled to, he searched for some background of the sense of approaching peril which had held him the night Lalette came to his pensionario door, and again when he spoke with Toluan the butler. But it was nowhere. All seemed well in spite of the fact that he was more or less a prisoner in this land. The common report had it that this was not an unusual experience, that Amorosian agents circulated all through the homeland, recruiting for their own purposes, especially those with any touch of witchery, and he thought that might be true. The initiate on the ship had taken him very readily into protection, and if he were like those in the court, must have known that Rodvard bore a blue star. Yet it seemed to him that these Amorosians were so well disposed toward each other that one might do worse to live out a life among them in spite of a certain unearthliness among their initiates. Now also he began to look back toward Desola, and to understand why it was that Manchuray should be so hated, most particularly by the upper orders. For it seemed that if he could but return, persuade Remigorius, Matherin, and the rest how the people of the Prophet lived among themselves, the sons of the new day might fulfill their mission by striking an alliance in Manchuray. No, never, he answered himself. That would be to set the son above the parent, the colony over the homeland, and politic would never permit it. Yet was it not cardinal in the thinking of the sons of the new day that to hold such a thing wrong was in itself wrong? The evil in the old rule was that it set one man above another for no other reason but his birth. 
Was not Pyax the Zagrainer, with his odd smell and slanted eye, entitled to as much consideration as Baron Brunovar? Why not, then, up with the standard of Manchuria and its prophet? For that, what had Pavinius found so wrong in this place that he had deserted the very rule he founded? Rodvard twisted in his bed and thought, Of course, I have been slow indeed to miss the flaw. For though there were no episcopals here, the initiates surely filled their office. If freedom from tyranny were won only by making episcopals into judges, then it was only a viler slavery. Was life, then, a question of whether spirit or body should be free? But on this question Rodvard found himself becoming so involved that he went to sleep, and did not wake till day burned behind the shutters. Lise brought him his breakfast on a tray and wished him a merry morning, but when he would have spoken to her, said she must hurry to her employ. Her eyes had some message he could not quite read. If the initiates were right, it would be a gentle one and kindly. His mind was more on her than on his new fortune as he went forth, and he missed a turning in the streets, so that his task began badly with a tardy arrival. The building of his toil, like so many in Chiralcus, was new and of brick, with mullioned windows along the street front and a low wide door at one side, through which carts passed empty to pick up bales at a platform within. Rodvard entered to see a row of clerks on stools sitting before a single long desk and writing away as though for dear life. A short round man paced up and down nervously behind them now and again speaking to one of the writers, or hearing a question from another. This short man came over to Rodvard and looked up and down his length. "'I am the Protostellarian,' he announced. "'Are you Bergelin, the Desolan clerk? You are in retard by a third of a glass. The fine is two abulas. Come this way.' He led down to the inner end of the desk, where under the least light stood a vacant stool. Here is your place. For the beginning, you have the task of posting to the records of individual covertines from those of the general sales by ships. Here. This is a ship's manifest from a voyage to Tritulaca. Three clocks from the covertine Arpic, as you see, have been sold for eight reuls Tritulacan. You will open a sheet for Arpic, on which, noting this fact, one sheet for each covertine. Then place a mark here to show that the matter is cared for, not pausing to translate. Yes, Ivrigo? The interrupter held his ledger in hand and diddled from foot to foot, as though being held from a cabinet of ease. Oh, Sir Maltus, I crave pardon, but I cannot carry through this posting according to system until I have a ruling where falls a sea loss in such a case. Hm, let me see. Why, stupidity, look there! It is plainly stated that no offer had been made on the said lost bales. They were therefore coveting goods still, and not regarding whether the loss were caused by piracy or not, it must fall there." He turned back to Rodvard. "'Do not try to translate into our money, for that is the function of another. You are expected to finish this manifest by evening.' "'I have never done this. Work is prayer. There is the lamp. End of chapter 18